Visit beautiful Banff, Alberta from March 9th to 11th for Story Summit 2018, presented by the Alberta Media Production Industries Association and Banff Center for Arts and Creativity. Story Summit is the premier gathering for North American digital content creators, including filmmakers, producers, directors, camera operators, audio and editing professionals, writers, and actors. The summit will include keynote speakers, panel discussions, workshops crafted to sharpen both the technical and creative skills needed to stay relevant in the game, as well as invaluable opportunities to have one-on-one time to connect with presenters and industry insiders at tabletop lunches and other socials at this unique industry networking event. This year, the third annual summit focuses on story, technology, diversity, and inclusion in the ever-changing ecosystem of content and media and entertainment. Speakers include John Giegengak, who will look at trends that are leading the way in the media and entertainment industry, as well as a session with Melissa Mullen Dupuy, 2017 Amnesty International's Ambassador of Conscience, and camera operators Stephen Campanelli, Clint Eastwood's cameraman of 25 years, who also worked on three billboards outside Emmy, Missouri, and uh, Gills Corbell, camera operator on The Shape of Water, which leads the way with 13 Oscar noms this year. We'll see you in Banff, Alberta this March. For more information and to register, visit storysummit.ca. This is Damien Petty, president of IATSE Local 212. Local 212 is a proud sponsor of the Alberta Filmmakers podcast. We're also a sponsor of the Calgary International Film Festival Oscar Party on March 4th. I'd like to encourage members of the community to join us in celebrating the Oscars and supporting the Calgary Film Festival. Enjoy the podcast. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Welcome, Matt, to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is a weird episode because I don't think we've ever recorded the news without having done the guest first. Have we? Has that ever happened? Uh, I don't think so. So, so yeah, we, we we haven't listened to the... Uh, we don't know how this conversation is going to go. Gonna hear. Um, um, but we are super excited about it. Stephen Campanelli. Who, uh, among many, many, many credits, uh, most recently was the camera operator on three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is very exciting. And the reason this is all happening, of course, is that we're doing it in partnership with uh, Story Summit. So, as you heard at the top of the show, definitely need you to sign up for Story Summit. Yeah. Um, you really should. It's uh, it's an amazing. It's going to be an amazing uh, couple of days. Um, I'm re- really super looking forward to it. Every time, every, every the two times it's happened. Uh, it's been a blast. And, um, you know, there's some, I think maybe some folks are maybe having a challenge with uh, accommodations. And uh, that is understandable. But, you know, Banff has a ton of really cheap accommodations. Yeah. Um, or Canmore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, also exactly, good. For sure. So uh, what's going on in the news, though, Scott? Oh, so many things. So the first thing, of course, is that we're, uh, we've just wrapped up one season on uh, the Fantasy Movie League. Right. Um, and Briar was the winner mm-hmm. again. Again. Reigning again, champion. The reigning champion. <laughs> the winner of the gift card and the one to dethrone for the next season. Mm-hmm. So start of a new season this week. You can join the, the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast League mm-hmm. on the Fantasy Movie League. And uh, start filling up your Cineplex. It's like a, it's like fantasy, you know, fantasy football. Except none of us know football. Um, a lot of fun, and uh, we encourage everyone to do it and join up. Yes, please. Um, okay, so uh, 
you know, StoryHive has been super busy lately. They just announced the winners of the, for the immersive program. They just announced the the selected web series that are going to to full series, longer series, whatever it is. Um, and now they're announcing yet another round of funding. Um, this time they're going back to digital shorts. That's exciting. Yeah. So when is the? Uh... Oh, is oh, that not what the news is? is? I just ju- I just jumped into it, but the news is actually that they awarded those. No, no you're right. There grants. is the next one, the digital short one. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so there, so there, we'll be giving you a forty. Four zero. Yeah, forty 10, different thousand dollar grants. Is that they haven't done that many before, have they? That, uh, I feel like that's a lot. That's a lot. It might be twenty in BC and twenty in Alberta. Right. Which is why it feels like more than we're normally used to. Right. Anyway, uh, submit your pitch before March 19th at noon Pacific time. Um, and yeah, it's a whole, it's the story hive. If you don't really know much about it, it's a great way to get a project funded. Um, there's a lot involved, including a multimedia submission, a budget breakdown, um, an eligible project lead and a great idea for a short film. Um, and then of course there's a voting component to it. So you have to get your friends and family and, uh, those who believe in your project to vote for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a great way to get, uh, some money to, to make a, a short film. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, one of the, one of the bonuses of being in a, in a less active market, right? Because, because TELUS does this in BC and Alberta, uh, they're going to do 20 in BC, 20 in Alberta, even though Vancouver is going to have way more submissions, right? right? Just because there's just a lot more activity there. So, Bonus for us in, here in Alberta, you're going to have a higher chance of getting your grant compared to BC. So definitely check it out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and kind of piling on that, the story I have news um, uh, from before that they announced the the winners of the Immersive Edition. Right. Um, 13 projects. Holy crap. 13? Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we, who are all getting 40K each. Yeah, right? amazing. Wow. So there are uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven from Alberta. Nice. Um. And you must go and check all of these out. Um, I can't wait to see these things. I can't wait to see what these filmmakers come Absolutely. up with. Because it's something completely different. Um, $40,000 in production funding uh, and training, mentorship, and distribution on Telesoptic TV, on demand, and StoryHive's online channels. Uh, also, with the web series, they couldn't just pick two, so they picked four. So two projects from Alberta. Yeah, very cool. And two series from uh, BC will receive $50,000 production grants to make their first season, as along with customized training and mentorship, of course, and uh, be distributed on Telus. So from Alberta, there's Frick I Love Nature from Gordy Lucius. Um, each episode, Frick I Love Nature dives into an ecosystem, species, or time of the year, uncovers some incredible nature facts, and shares them with the world in hilarious and unexpected ways. And then there's Snowshoe and Monster from Siobhan Cooney. A conspiracy theorist and scientific photographer are hired to help a woman track down her childhood monster. Cool. That sounds cool, yeah. yeah. And I, I like the title. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So congrats to all those folks. Can't wait to see uh, what you were able to come up with. So back uh, back when we went to the Story Summit camera operator workshop last year, last year, right? Talking about it, the, the, uh, this this random highlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first time they did it, it was like, what? Why is this such an amazing workshop? Like, it's like, okay, camera operator is great, uh, but man, was it ever a reminder of how important that role is yeah. uh, and how much of a storyteller that that person is. Absolutely. Um, and and. What's so exciting about this conversation uh, you're about to hear with Stephen is is that, you know, as a camera operator, you've been seeing movie worlds through his eyes, through his movements, through through how yeah. you know the choices he makes, all like so many movies, like like you've been looking through his eyes, and I'm talking about uh, Rush, uh, The Maze Runner, American Sniper, 
um, Invictus, Gran Torino. Like, so he's he's Clint Eastwood's go-to camera yeah. operator. He's done most of his films. Uh, 51st Dates, Vanilla Sky, like... Tomorrowland, like, Sully, yeah. Space Cowboys, End of Days, like, oh, like... And so that's an interesting, unique tie-in, right? Because you've been seeing the world through that camera operators. <gasps> the Patriot choices. Sorry, I'm going through. <laughs> the Thin Red Line. It's it goes on and on it's and on. Like, like his his uh, yeah, his resume is just ridiculous. It's insane. So we're super honored that he would come on the show, and uh, we're going to dive into some some tips you can use as an Alberta filmmaker uh, from uh, such an accomplished camera operator. So here is our conversation with Steve Cannon. This is uh this is super exciting. We just uh, we just gave you this intro with, uh, with your some of your credits, which which are just uh, off the wall. Which is uh, so it's it's an honor to have you on the on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, I'm honored to be here. It's uh and and yeah, as 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 we said, kind of in the intro, the um the how did this connection come to be? It's it's uh, it's story summit. So. I mean, maybe a good place to start is, is uh, what was your experience like at Story Summit last year and what, what made you want to come back? Um, I had a, a really good time last year. They you know, invited me to come. Actually, the year before, a couple of my friends had gone to do They were nothing wrong. With it, they were both Americans. And I was like, hey, I want to go there. I'm a Canadian. You know, it's like uh, yeah. that's representation. There. Totally, so, totally reached out and I said, yeah, I'd be honored to, to come. And, uh, and believe it or not, I had never been to Banff before. So I was like shocked that I hadn't been. And I said, I would love to go. And they said, sure, we'd love to have you. And uh, it was just a really great experience overall. But some really great people that venue is just ridiculous how beautiful it is. And yeah. Great. So I really honored to be there. And I volunteered to come back this year because I had such a good time last year. That's fantastic. So yeah, Stephen, you're actually you are a Canadian. I didn't even realize that until I started kind of doing my my research on you. But uh, born in Montreal, born and raised in Montreal. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I lived out in Vancouver in the early '90s, and then uh, uh, you know work just took me down to the U.S. I've been living there for 22 years, and I just moved back uh, to Vancouver last January. To, so how, how did work take you down to L.A.? How does that happen? Because a lot of Canadians, are, you know, are trying to get into L.A. How did how did that whole journey occur? Uh, it was a well. It was a basically a, a dream come true and a life changing journey. <laughs> um, you know, I was uh, like most of us, being a, a, a kid growing up in Montreal. I was a huge fan of uh, of Clint Eastwood's, and um, uh, I had posters on the wall of the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and Dirty Harry, and all that stuff. I actually had a dog named Clint. I saw that. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And um, I said to my mom, "I want to meet him someday," and she's like, "Oh yeah, sure, son. That's going to happen." And uh, <laughs> Uh, sure enough, in 1994, I ended up uh, working on Bridges of Madison County as my first movie as a camera operator with him, and uh, it was a dream come true. I just he had heard of my reputation in Canada, and uh, I was the new hotshot kid, whatever you want to call it. Wow! And, um, he basically filled out all my paperwork to get into the U.S. to work there, and oh. I'm in a cornfield in Iowa, and I'm meeting my boyhood idol. It's a literal <laughs> dream come true. That's amazing. Yeah, literally. Yeah, it really is. And then. We've been together for 24 years and have done 21 films together. And it's, uh, wow. It's insane. To think about it. It really is. Something, you know, some people might, you know, chalk that up to like right place, right time. But of course we know that's not really a, a real thing. Um, it takes a lot of work to be at the right place at the right time. So what do you think, what do you think, um, got you there uh, and, and, and has kept you there for so long? What do you think it is like, what's the secret? 
Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's a lot of hard work. They look at all these big stars, you know, recording artists or, you know, movie makers and all that. And yeah, they all started at the bottom, hopefully. And, you know, you learn your craft and you you become really good at it and you've got a, a drive and a passion and um, a personality that people want to work with, you know. And I think that's the biggest key is just people want to work with you. You do your job well. You are honored to do your job. You are proud to do your job. And uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll get noticed. And that's exactly what happened with me. And I got uh, very fortunate um, by, by having a great work ethic and uh, being able to um, accommodate, uh, you know, crazy travel schedules and going wherever the work takes me. I was very, very fortunate to uh, you know, get involved with Mr. Eastwood and uh, continue the journey. So what was that reputation? Like, how did you how did you begin your journey as a camera operator? And was that kind of goal number one in the first place? Yeah, I guess um, the big the way I got, uh, I guess, really known here in Canada was um, there's a device called the Steadicam, which was um, invented by um, Garrett Brown. And um, basically, I saw it on the Oscars. They, they gave it a technical um, achievement award. Yes. And, uh, I just saw this device running around the stage and, you know, just making the camera very fluid. What it does is it takes away all the shocks uh, from handheld or from walking upstairs or running. So uh, I just decided that's something that I wanted to do. And back uh, in the mid-'80s, there was none in Canada. There was one, I think, one or two. And I decided to go take the course uh, in Rockport, Maine, from the inventor of it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and the most famous shot that most people will relate to is running up the stairs on Rocky, where Sylvester Stallone is running up the stairs and. Uh, Philadelphia, you know, and he's yes. doing the big uh, over the head thing, and that's probably one of the most famous shots that Steadicam was involved in. Totally, so I took the goals from him, and obviously, uh, just shining, you know, following the kids around, the kid around on the bicycle through the Overlook Hotel and all that. So right, right. To me, that was great storytelling. I thought, wow, if you can do all that with a camera and tell a story with such a fluid movement, that's something that I want to do. And uh, so I took the course, came back, I ate uh, craft dinner for about two years straight. To try to- <laughs> I won. And, uh, <laughs> my bank manager believed in me, and she gave me a loan. And uh, wow, learned how to do it properly, and did a lot of freebies and student films and things like that. And right. Then she gained a reputation and flew all across Canada, just doing different shows like Twenty One Jump Street and things like that, and MacGyver, and uh, way way before most people's time. <laughs> but, wow. I honed my skills. Yeah. So you were kind of one of the pioneers of, of the, to learn from the, the creator, the inventor. Uh, yeah, exactly. You must have been learning new things about it that maybe nobody else had discovered yet, right, at that time? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, there's only about I think, two or three of us all across Canada that really knew in, and had the reputation that you know people would pay for. So basically, that's what we did. We just literally traveled all over the country because there was so few of us. And I remember coming out to Vancouver in the early 90s and fell in love with the city and then that's when I decided to move here then. And uh, the business was already starting to boom then. And uh, that's how I built my reputation is just doing one job after another and doing it successfully, I think. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, we, to that end, what like this is a discussion that I'm sure you come across a lot um, and certainly is a frequent one here in Alberta. Um, but what is your what is your opinion on working for free? You know, obviously... Um, you know, you shouldn't work for free unless you're getting maybe something in return and, and people hate to say, Oh, I'm getting experience bucks. I can't really pay my rent with that. But you know, is it, is it worth it in the, in the right circumstances? Yes, exactly. Just like you said, it's worth it in the right circumstances. You don't want to get uh, taken advantage of or, or, or abused in your, in your loyalty work for free, but it does gain you some experience and it does gain you uh, connections 
it also gives you a really good, you know, work ethic and hopefully, you know, a letter of reference or something which helps. I know, like you said, it doesn't pay the rent, but sometimes it does own your skills, you know, and uh, uh, training, learning from from people. Like I, I do a few uh, seminars and workshops uh, every once in a while for our um, camera union members. Uh, so things like that, you could just learn from everybody and anything, you know, and I think especially nowadays with so much available online and with your great podcast and things like that, people <laughs> could just live and learn, you know, that kind of thing. For sure. That's Absolutely. true. Yeah. Um, it, it, it strikes me as something, and this is kind of, this was something that really fascinated me last year um, at the panel uh, for, for camera operators in general was uh, I've, I've always kind of seen um, the camera operator position as someone who had, you know, who, who has aspirations to be a director of photography. Um, and, and you have taken a completely different path. Obviously you're directing now. Um, but, but what is it about operating a camera that, that has made you want to just kind of stay in that role for so long? Um, it's to me, it's the greatest job on the set because you're, you know, you know, the director of photography is basically my boss, but they're more in charge of the look of the film, the lighting, of course, and all the lens choices and things like that, making sure the actors look beautiful and all that. But as a camera operator, you are right there in the trenches. You are filming. Right. Video the physical work you are standing five feet away from the actors you are feeling their performances you are encouraging them you're giving them a great workspace and a great protection and i found that was a really for me a great transition to direct him because that's basically what i was doing almost anyways is just standing there and watching great actors act and you know, <laughs> listening to directors give their tips and i'd get you know i go oh, that's that's a good note you know so right. uh, hey, it is the best job on the set and i think yeah you're, you're kind of the one making the movie Really? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it always, my mom always yells at me for not, uh, we don't have an Oscar category for camera operators. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Why aren't you getting recognized? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> tell, me about, tell me about performance from a camera operator perspective, because that's not really something that we consider too often. Um, and I don't mean yeah. actor performance, but your performance. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, you know, it's a, lack of a better word, it's a real ballet between performance and the physical nature of moving and, you know, positioning the camera in the right place to tell the story and the pressure is huge because if you've got an actor that's going to give you one or two takes and that's it you've got to make sure you get it right you know you got to make sure it's, it's framed properly you don't have light stands in the shot or anything like that. right make sure you've got a great team around you a great first assistant second you know so um it's really important as a camera operator to have that performance you, you've got to be ready and that's when the the pressure hits you know you just gotta you know get it on a first rehearsal first take you know, and you can't, you know, the, the actor gives you the greatest performance in the world and you turn to the director, oh, I didn't get that. I got off. <laughs> right. yeah. They don't ever want to hear that. No. Yeah. So, um, you, there's so many, like your, your resume is just so insane. It's, it's unbelievable. And so I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to see if I can kind of, uh, you know, probe for some, some interesting stories. So, so I guess, uh, what would you say is uh, the, and I know there's a lot of safety on set. We're not, I'm not suggesting that these sets are unsafe, but what's the most dangerous situation you think you've been in to get a, to get a shot? Have you been involved? Like, have you been on a, I don't know, has there been a harness, uh, you know, we're talking about war movies like like letters from Iwo Jima and like you you must have been in some some interesting spots to get the shot no oh yeah yeah you're you're thrown you're thrown right in there and uh, when we did flags of our fathers and letters from Iwo Jima um you know all the pyrotechnics of course are movie ones and their explosions on the beach we filmed in Iceland because they had the black sand beach ah. and we you know blew up 
um, the sand everywhere to, to for mortar explosions and all that. And that's basically filled with sand and cork and, you know, pyrotechnic that blows up. And I remember our very first day, our, one of our first shots was me running into all these explosions and, you know, the special <laughs> effects guy is telling you where they all are. And he's like, oh, my God, don't stand right over it because it's going to hurt. It's not going <laughs> to kill you, but it's going to hurt. A lot. And of course, when you're running handheld with a hood on and in black sand, which has got no definition to it, you can't really see the dips and things. You end up stepping on one of these things as it's going off, and it uh, it just blows a bunch of cork and sand up your nose. It's not the greatest thing in the world. So, uh, <laughs> I remember my focus puller, Bill. He told me once after our first take, he said, "Remind me to close my mouth next time." You know, into his mouth. But it was it was amazing because I'm going. We're just making a movie, and I, I was imagining these real heroes from World War II running into bullets and running into right gunfire and explosions and i just it, it made me really humble i was just like wow you know these people really risk their lives and you know here we are just making a movie so it was uh, it was quite an experience to feel that place yeah absolutely i would say but the most dangerous i thought would be twister when i did the movie twister uh we had a lot of physical uh it was you know there was of course digital but there was a lot of physical stuff being blown around by big 737 jet engines we had huge really yeah, it was amazing. Like, That's oh, what it was? So, it, was, it was a Yeah, we had a, a 737 engine, two of them actually, on the back of a 40-foot truck. And uh, it would just, just blow the wind and the debris. And they had the huge 400-pound blocks of ice that they would just chip away into this, like, basically a snowblower. And it would just throw these massive chunks all over the place. And we, we had a lot of bruises in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> so did the actors, too. Crazy. <laughs> so what about uh, one, one of my favorite things um, – in film is the is the long take the uh the you know the 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 shot that goes on and on for minutes without without any cuts have you ever been uh, involved in anything like that and what's your favorite yeah there's been a few of those but i find there are few and far between now and i'd love to uh, love to do more of them because they're just you know they're just a really a lot of work and, and it just makes such an eloquent shot and i guess most recently i'm very proud of the shot i did on the three billboards outside of ebbing missouri um, there's a shot where, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but where Sam Rockwell throws this guy out the window. and he It's an amazing shot. It is an amazing yeah. shot, yeah. Oh, thank, thank you. Yeah, that's it's like two minutes and shot. ten seconds. And yeah. It's on handheld. It's all done without a cut. And, you know, we rehearsed it the day before, just a couple hours. And then the next day we did it. I think the one that's in the movie is the fourth take. I think we did seven total. But um, it was a very difficult shot because everything had to work perfectly or else the shot didn't work. And it did. It was quite amazing. So I'm very proud of that one. That was like a really cool choreographed shot that martin the writer had written into the script he knew he wanted to do this as a one oh okay. right cool did you say it was handheld it was all handheld. oh yeah, wow yeah we couldn't get the steady cam to fit through the door because when he breaks the glass of the door it's very thin oh uh, yeah so right i'm gonna try and do it steady cam then we ended up doing it handheld and i kind of cradled it like a football um <laughs> because i could get the height better i can go lower when i needed to go lower and i could just lift it up over my head when I had to, and there's a right. there's a great making of on I think it's on Yahoo.com or something of that shot. It shows you all the different. They put GoPros everywhere. And it shows you the making of that shot. Awesome. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really neat. Oh, we'll have to link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah. It's yeah. Really cool. Uh, so, but so, what about when when he goes out the window? What what like like how does how do you how do you do that? Take that many times? What what was the yeah, well, in the making of, you'll see it, but I'll give it I'll give it away. Basically, when Sam punches the guy the first time, he drops 
And as soon as he drops, I go into the room and he exits. He runs down the stairs. Ah. And he gets made up. He takes his shirt off. He gets a ripped shirt, makeup and hair, puts blood <laughs> on him. Uh, all this stuff. Meanwhile, there's a stunt guy hidden under the floor who Sam Rockwell picks up after he breaks the window. That's awesome. The window. And there's a big box truck underneath. So the catches him in these boxes. Oh my God. I'm yeah, the truck rolls away. And then as the truck rolls away, they got to park cars where the truck used to. It's really right. amazing choreograph. So it's <laughs> making up be, be really great for your, uh, your listeners. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely share that. Yeah. And I go down the stairs and there he is on the street crawling away. And then right. Sam punches him. In. So it was really well thought of and well well choreographed. It was fun to do that. I, I, I'm still high just listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so fantastic. Well, uh, um, so so I mean, we don't often get a chance to talk um, technical stuff, and I know a lot of our listeners are um, not gearheads, but you know they're passionate about technology and cameras and stuff. So, um, how do you think like how do you think cameras have changed, and how do you think they have not changed? You know, since you've been kind of doing this. Um, well, basically, you know, I started like, you know, <laughs> when I was older, guys, we started all on film. And uh, right. I love the magic of film. You know, it's something amazing and tactile that you see that's going through the gate and it's catching these great images. And uh, it's something I miss about that. But, you know, the, the embracement of digital is amazing now. I mean, the way you can just roll forever and right. the, the, the images are getting better and better. Uh, we, we use mostly the Alri Alexas, but, you know, the Reds are amazing. Uh, as are the Sony's and the Panasonic, so they're all they're all getting really good, and in the right hands, you know, it can look as good as film uh, in some cases. But um, the only thing I found, maybe it's getting less that, but when digital first came out, I found a lot of directors or maybe even directors of photography kind of got lazy. They just never cut the camera. They oh, just run it's just digital. But right. I think that's a lazy way of filmmaking. I think you need to be disciplined still, even though it isn't costing you a fortune in digital. But you know, you still got to transfer all the footage. You still got to sift through it all. But I think to have the discipline to be able to cut and go, okay, let's just regroup and let's start over again. And, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's get this right. So we're not just wasting everybody's time. And, uh, right. I think that is something that digital brought in, but I think it's getting better. I think people are kind of realizing kind of going back old school in terms of ways of actually cutting and regrouping and that kind of stuff. Right. And I think as we get into the, you know, the, as many K's as we're getting now, you know, storage is starting to become as much of an issue as film was. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, True. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, people are starting to talk about shooting movies on iPhones and stuff. Right. And, you know, and they have been in Tangerine. Yeah. And like that. Yeah. And yeah. Look at the iPhone 10 or whatever. The quality is amazing. The 4K is beautiful. And, uh, you know, in the right hands and right lighting, you can really make yourself a really good film with anything. And I think that's it. That's a good point you brought up. You, you know, if you've got a, an imagination, you've got a great story, you've got great actors and locations, you, you know, you can really film on anything, really. And uh, probably people wouldn't even notice that it was done on an iPhone, you know. Yeah. It's so great to hear you keep bringing it back to story because obviously, you know, that's that's the biggest important part for us. Um, and yeah, it's nice. it's nice to hear that, you know, someone from that sort of that what would be traditionally considered a technical side is so story focused. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, has that always been the case for you or is that, um, is that something that you've kind of learned? Like, how does that fit in? No, I think, uh, I think, you know, basically, you know, I've, I've been very, very fortunate to work with, you know, not only Clint Eastwood, who's amazing, but some really, really great directors. And that's all it comes down to really. I mean, it's a story. It's, it's, you don't have that. You don't have anything. I mean, it's really, that's your Bible. That's your, your go-to, you know, and it, it, the strength of, of, what you're telling is in those words, you know, and your job as a filmmaker is to take those words off the page that somebody, no one else is going to get to read and you've got to put it on the screen and translate it into images. And I think when you've got a great strong story, you're, it makes your job that much easier. And, you know, 
it's yours to screw up. So I think, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think you just get a strong story and, uh, you know, way to go. And if you can imagine it and, and get it on there. And like I said, it doesn't matter the vehicle that you do it with, but as long as you, you maintain and tell that really good story. Right. Of course. Hey, everybody. Just want to uh, take a quick second to tell you about uh, the Calgary Film Center. Uh, it is a world-class screen-based production facility in southeast Calgary with 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages, 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces, complemented by their anchor tenant, William F. White, who is Canada's oldest and largest provider of professional motion picture, television, digital media, and theatrical production equipment. Uh, now, here's where it gets really interesting, because at the Film Centre, their aim is to deliver production support uh, for international and national screen industry projects, but also for local projects, and that's where uh, we come in. So the Film Center uh, has just announced that they will be putting on their second annual Project Lab this year. Last year, they sponsored uh, six projects. Three of them went into production and three of them went through the development phase. Um, And then this year, they have opened it up again for submissions uh, and they will be financing two micro-budget feature films. So if you have a project, uh, a feature film that you uh, think counts as micro-budget and you want to uh, try to get some money to actually go and make that film, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely try uh, for the project lab. So you can find out more at calgaryfilmcenter.com. They've got all of their application uh, information available. Um, but the big one, of course, is that uh, the deadline is March 20th. Uh, so you definitely want to kind of get moving on your application and uh, get it going because uh, that deadline is going to sneak up real quick. So again, uh, definitely look to apply to the project lab uh, and you can find out more at calgaryfilmcenter.com. So what, when it comes to gear, what would you, what would you recommend, you know, for, you know, for our audience of, you know, people trying to, to get their own films going, you know, break in, what's, what's some, what's maybe your favorite piece of gear or, or the best piece of gear you've, uh, you've got in your arsenal? I think the best gear you, you can have is your brain. Ah. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, it's, it's literally, you know, kind of, we're going back to saying, it's like, if you have an idea, do it, you know, like just get it out there and, and, and sure you can get some amazingly expensive and fancy cameras and lenses and tools and all that. And absolutely. And I am all for that. And I've been very blessed to do all that. But you know, if you've got just a really good story and a good idea in your head, make it, show it to somebody, get it out there, let it go viral, you know, do all this stuff that you can uh, have people see your work. And I think that's your, your biggest tool right there. But you know, saying that, sure, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Ari um, company with the Alexas. I've been using those for forever. Um, Panavision was my go-to with film. They also supply Aries, but um, there's a lot of great companies all across Canada, um, and they have really great equipment, and a lot of them have really great um, programs to help, you know, first-time filmmakers and independent filmmakers and all that. They'll cut you a deal. They'll give you stuff for free if they can, you know, so I think right. it's just making those connections and going in and that's where I started you know I started as a trainee and I started you know asking for short ends which are you know just little pieces of film just like yeah (laughs) so those are the things you got to do when you first start out but you know it's worth it in the end and that's I think that's what weeds out uh the strong you know it's like the sacrifices that you'll make to get yourself known and get your story told and get yourself noticed right that's you really find the cream of the crop you know that's that's awesome. There, there's a there's a question that, that uh, I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss, who's got uh, a podcast called The Tim Ferriss Show, and he he likes to ask. So I, and I'm not so I don't I don't just mean like what's the what's the biggest heavy dutyest camera. I'm talking about like even you know what's what's the best purchase that's maybe it's on your belt or, or something like that under under a hundred dollars that you find you use all the time. Um, 
the one thing I use in, you know, in the bigger movies that just, you know, it's a great tool. It's not under $100, but this thing called a slider or an overkeeper, oh. which is basically you put it on a tripod and it's only about, it depends. It varies in length, two, three, four, five, six feet. Right. But um, basically it just makes the camera travel side to side or four, four and a half, you know, back and forth. Uh, yeah, just to give you a little bit of movement. And it's like, you know, I call it the poor man's dolly track. It's just a little right. bit. You, you can do it on your own and you just it just glides the camera. And there are really great cheap versions online. You can buy on Amazon for, like you said, a hundred bucks. Yeah. But it gives your camera movement. And I find when you give the camera movement, you're, you're, you're bringing the audience into your story. And I think, you know, you don't want to do over movement because then that gets a little too crazy. But if you can just keep the camera just flowing and, you know, you're dollying into something that's important to you or pulling out from something that's, uh, you know, I think that's probably one of the greatest tools um, you could have as a filmmaker or anything that will support your camera to make it smooth. So it's not, unless it's intentionally supposed to be handheld, but you know, like these things called the Movi and the Ronin and all that stuff. Right, of course. Great tools or just three axis stabilized things that, you know, are coming down to 150 bucks and you can right. really get, you know, great camera moves with it. And again, it all comes down to your, your vision and your brain. If you can think of something crazy, then try and make the shot work and try and figure out how to do it. <laughs> You're so, you're so right. I remember Scott and I, we do corporate video to, to kind of pay the bills. And uh, when we got our slider, it was like we were so excited. It just it really does add so much. Yeah, exactly. It really does. Gives you another era of professionalism and all that. And you're not you know doing a handheld shaky camera. It really feels very professional and fluid. Yeah, it adds a nice touch for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so you've been directing now for the past about three years. It looks like uh, when you started with Momentum. Um, what? How? How long was that kind of, you know, in your in your target, and 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 why make the jump, and and what was that like? And tell me the whole story, everything about that whole transition. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, I've always wanted to direct. I mean, it's it's your camera just took a, a sideways uh, uh, detour, I guess, for twenty something years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when I, I was in Montreal, I went to Concordia University and um, we did a three-year film program in production there. And uh, I directed my, you know, my thesis film in my third year, just a 10-minute film with sound and all that. Uh, and I entered it in the Montreal Student Film Festival. And then it actually won something there. Then I ended up, ended it, sorry, entered it into the Canadian Student Film Festival. And I actually ended up winning first prize in that. Nice. Yeah, so it was really, really cool. And I was like, oh, maybe there's something to this directing thing. But what happened is I ended up shooting all my student films um, for all my friends, and I ended up in camera. And I thought, well, that's a good way to make money right now. And, right. <laughs> yeah. you know, and I fell in love with camera. I started as right at the bottom as a camera trainee, then a second, and then a first uh, uh, focus puller, and then a camera operator. And then, you know, I think what I fell into working with Clint Eastwood, as you know, was my idol, it, I was like a dream come true, and I never wanted to do anything else. Yeah, exactly. Camera forgot about directing, you know, and I thought this is the greatest job on earth and um, built my reputation and, you know, uh, very successful and financially and uh, all that. And um, so I just kind of just went to the wayside, but, you know, learning from Clint, who's the master, I was sucking it all in and all the other directors I worked with that I really appreciated that I was learning. I go, and then you learn from the bad ones too. There was some really bad directors I worked with that I go, <laughs> right. you know, oh, I'm going to make sure I don't do that. <laughs> Um, absolutely those are probably the better lessons yeah oh they are absolutely 100 percent. you learn so much from a bad experience and you just it's like a bad relationship you know you go, don't do that again you know? so, right. um so that's what happened and then you know over the year last few years i you know i was working with a few directors that i wasn't crazy about or didn't think that they had the greatest vision and i thought well i could do this i mean you know i could i could come up with something better than that and so i finally decided i said i gotta start directing now and then um 
I got momentum and it was a, you know, it was, um, you know, pretty decent script and it was a high energy action thriller. And I thought, well, that'd be, that'd be it's a little, a uh, little overwhelming to start with, but I figured what the heck, you might as well jump uh, both feet in. And, um, Morgan Freeman's in that movie. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I your got, first your first directing yeah. directorial debut had Morgan Freeman and <laughs> James yeah. Purefoy and James Purefoy. Yeah. Wow, this is fantastic. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And I'd worked with Morgan on three movies and uh, right, of course, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, he's just such a great guy. And he says, "Hey, uh, they call me Campy for Campanelli." And he's like, "Hey, <laughs> right. Campy, you know, I want to be in your first movie you direct." I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> kind of happened. Yeah, he's such a great guy. It was like amazing. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, this is nuts. And uh, it turned out we shot it in Cape Town, South Africa. It was a great location. Had a really good crew. And, um, you know, and we, we kicked some ass. We really did a lot of great shots. My One of my best childhood friends, Glenn McPherson, was my cinematographer, who I kind of grew up in the business with. So oh, that's nice. Great. Yeah, it was a really nice, uh, you know, co-production between him and I. And, uh, you know, it turned out a fun 90-minute action movie. So that was a real pleasure. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Indian Horse, uh, where did that, where did that come from? It seems like, uh, yeah, it's a complete, uh, you know, 180 degree turn. Yeah. From, like the opposite from, kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah. Momentum. Exactly. Um, well that happened. Um, there was a, a producer in Quebec called Roger Frappier, uh, who's a very famous uh, producer and he, um, he kind of heard about me and he came out to uh, LA to meet me and, uh, saw my, you know, clips. I hadn't finished editing momentum, but he said, oh, yeah, you know, you did a lot for no money. I had a very little budget on that movie, and but it right. looked like a really big budget movie. So he was impressed. And he said, oh, someday I'll um, I'll see if I can give you something. I went, okay, great. And sure enough, and all like six months later, the, the script and the book uh, came, and uh, I read them both. And um, it was just spectacular. It moved me to tears and, and literally changed my life. And I said, this is what I've been meant to do. Wow. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, just a really great story. An important story, a very tragic story. Uh, I said, I need to do this. I just wrote the producers um, who are um, here in Vancouver. I said, I need to be the guy to direct this. And I wrote this impassioned six page email about why I was the guy to do it. <laughs> wow. They fell for it. <laughs> <laughs> but not at all. I mean, it's, get, it's getting all these awards now. Yeah, it's done really, really well. We've won so far five audience awards, and uh, I believe the first one was in Calgary. So we're very right. honored to have uh, Calgary recognize us right away. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty impressive. Very and cool. Then uh, Vancouver and Edmonton, uh, Victoria, we just won, and then the Yukon um, Available Light Festival. So it's been a real run. It's you know it's a very important, powerful film about you know the sad part of our history in the residential school system. Yeah, right, yeah. of course treatment of our indigenous uh, people and uh, it's a story that needs to be told and that was the reason i wanted to do it i said i want to tell yeah. this story want to get well it's not being like, told too right like, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah so we need to keep it going and the book is uh, you know a, uh, an amazing book and it, it really um moved me to, like i said to tears and then i said i'm going to try and do it be as faithful as i can to the book and make this movie uh just as good and so far it seems like people like it and have done it and have, have um Tell, told it's coming out April 13th all across Canada. So people are really on social media are really starting to ramp it up and uh, make sure everyone wants to go see it. A April 13th? Yeah, April 13th, uh, Cineplex Odeon Theaters all across Canada. Oh my God, amazing. That's fantastic. I was just going to say, so so where can people see it? But uh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's a really, uh, they're going to do a big push. Um, Elevation Pictures is distributing it across Canada. They're doing a great job with it. And uh, there's a trailer out now also. So I'm hoping people will... Uh, Check into it and uh, definitely see the movie when it comes out. Nice. 
So uh, what is uh, what is that transition like, though? I mean, do you what kind of director do you find yourself being? Are you are you kind of getting hands off with the with the camera or is that where you're hanging out most of the time or or how do you how do you make that work? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to let go. I'll tell you that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's really hard. It's um, I mean, I love it so much. (laughs) I've been very fortunate. Um, after Momentum, I had a really great crew from South Africa who just who just owned it. And I think I learned that from Clint. You know, he just said, empower your crew. Right. Make make them want to tell your story and help you, you know. And uh, it's the thing I always say. I said, if I'm the smartest person in the room, we're in big trouble. So, <laughs> so I always like to try and get everyone to help me and help me make the movie better. And I was very fortunate. And every once in a while, I did operate a shot. Not for the lack of skill on the operator side. It just was fun for me to do. And they were always like, of course you can do it. You're yeah. You're the director. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, that was great. And then on Indian Horse, I was so blessed again. Another childhood friend who I went to film school with at Concordia, Yves Belanger, is the cinematographer. And he did Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, wow. Ohio. He did that big little lie series on HBO. Oh, and, wow. Uh, that uh, show looks incredible. That's that's yeah. awesome, yeah. Yeah, he's incredible. He's a really great uh, cinematographer, just great. And another guy that's just so, so involved in story and all that. So that was another great uh, collaboration, but you know, every once in a while I really went, ah, I got to pick up the camera and do this. One. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had a really great crew also from Quebec. They were just amazing. I think that makes total sense though. You gotta, you gotta put your, you gotta be able to say, yeah, that one was mine. That shot was mine right there. Yeah. Uh, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Normally when all you see any of the crazy shots in momentum and in Indian horses, a lot of hockey stuff that I did. Yeah. And so if the shot's really crazy and energetic, that was pretty much me. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so h- how did you, like, what was the best lesson from Clint or from, from whoever that, that you, you found that you were using with actors or getting what you needed out of the crew? What's the, what's the, the tool in the toolkit that you, that you transferred over? Well, I think and I keep, I keep, hating to keep saying Clint's name, but it's just like, I learned so much from him. And it, of course, it, yeah. Great filmmaking of, of empowering. Cause he says, actors are actors. Cause they, that's what they do. And he says, you let them do their craft. And all you have to do is guide them in a small way towards what you want. And sometimes you don't even have to do that. You can just literally let them go. And I remember one story, uh, which is true on, on million dollar baby after about 10 days of filming, Hillary Swank came up to me and she said, uh, Hey, you've been with Clint for a while. And uh, I say, yeah, sure. She says, um, uh, am I doing a good job <laughs> acting wise? And I was like, what? She said, yeah, because Clint doesn't say a word to me about my acting. And I just pointed at her and I said, you know, uh-huh, there's a reason for that. And she just got, you could see her face change. And she was just like, wow, I've never had an actor, a director, like not give me too much direction and let me do my own thing. And, you know, and then she right. goes on and wins an Oscar. So, right. Right. There you go. You know, that's what I learned as a director now. I'm, 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 I love watching the actors just bring their own version or vision uh, that he or she will bring to the table. And right. go, that's better than what I thought. Or, no, I think I was thinking more this way. You know, and definitely with a very soft guidance to um, get them in the right direction. And we collaborate. And it works so much better that way, you know. And Indian Horse had, I'd say, 80% of my cast was non-actors and first-time actors. Wow. I'm very, very proud of the performances in the movie. And and the, the little boy who leads the movie, Slade and Pelche, he was only nine years old when we shot. He had never wow. acted, never been in a school play, never cared for it. And he just got nominated for a Canadian Screen Award, the Amazing. Best Supporting wow. Actor. So I'm very proud of that. And, you know, he's just got a natural talent. So I don't know if I did anything. <laughs> 
hopefully I did something. <laughs> That's fantastic. Cool. So what, uh, knowing that you're kind of coming to the story summit, what, uh, what are you planning to talk about there? We don't want to obviously tread on any of that, but what are you, what are you bringing to the, to the event that uh, people can look forward to? Um, I think it's, it's just, you know, my years of experience of just literally again, bringing this story to the screen, like what it takes to take the words off the page and put them up on the screen in a cinematic way, in a storytelling way, uh, in an intelligent way. Um, you know, one of the things too is as a cameraman is not to let the camera get too fancy or get too much in the way of mm, the story. Right. Right. Really carry itself. So I'm hoping to impart that on, uh, you know, whoever comes to the, uh, the summit. I just want them to really see that it's, it's difficult, but it's not as difficult as people might think, you know, with a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's, it's very, there's really a simple formula. I mean, you just have to follow it and, and know it. I'm hoping to, uh, you know, give out that secret formula while I'm there. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, that sounds fantastic. Um, anything else you want to cover? Anything else the audience should maybe know about before we wrap things up? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, no, I think, you know, it's, it's to me, it's the being in the entertainment business or cinema, I don't know what you want to call it. It's just, to me, it's the greatest job in, in the world. I just love what I do. I love the people. I love the social aspect of it. I love the travel that I've done. Um, you know, the last movie we did with Clint at uh, 1517 to Paris, we got to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to go to Venice. We got to go to Rome. We got to go to Amsterdam and uh, Paris. Wow. Yeah, it was a really great job for travel. So yeah, we very fortunate <laughs> and working with the real heroes, you know. That's, was, yeah, that's nice. fascinating. How how was that? Yeah. That must have been. Great. That, yeah. You like amazing experience. Guys were very charismatic. They're really yeah. great guys. I mean, I'll be honest, and you know, they're they're not the greatest actors in the world. And everyone knows that. But <laughs> right, I think right. you you got to give them some slack for that. And, for sure. uh, but uh, you know, it uh, it turned out pretty good. And what, but like, what was it like being on set with them, kind of reliving that? That's that seems like it would be kind of a traumatic thing. I, I, I don't. I think it was um, it was therapeutic in a way, is what they were saying. Oh, okay. it was like, oh, interesting. You know, they 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 did it. it was two years ago, two and a half years ago, and you know, it's, it goes in the blink of an eye. I mean, you never forget something like that. But then reliving it, it was fun, not fun, but it was interesting for them to see us recreate it. And of course, we used their knowledge because they were right there. And of course, all the secrets on the train, uh, I'm very proud of because uh, uh, Clint again kind of empowered me and there wasn't a lot of room for everybody to be standing around. So he says, you know, Hey, you know, just go ahead and do your magic, Steve. And I'll be watching from over here. And it was kind of funny because I got to choreograph with the actors wow, and really cool. uh, work with them and work on the shots and figure out the way to do it. And then Clint would come in and work with the actors on performance and things like that. And so we really make a great team. It was like a real symbiotic relationship. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it was a great experience. We filmed on a real train uh, for five days, going 300 oh, wow. kilometers an hour. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Yeah, so we traveled six, almost 5,900 kilometers in five days. <laughs> and it was just moving constantly, so it was a bit of motion sickness on my part because I, I didn't throw up or anything, but it was definitely not feeling good. Right. No, I bet. Looking yeah, through yeah. the viewfinder, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was a bit tough, but, uh, you know, it worked out in the end. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm uh, I'm so looking forward to seeing you again in person and uh, and hearing more of these awesome stories. Thank you for doing the the podcast and thanks for coming to uh, Alberta again. Absolutely, my pleasure. I love Alberta. It's just uh, the more time I can spend there, the better for me. So that's why I wanted to come back and I'm hoping to stay on for a couple of days after the summit and do some exploring. So. Oh, nice, fantastic. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. maybe I'll meet some people on the road. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, cheers, all right. you guys. Good talking to you. All the best. Thanks, Stephen. You, you as well. Thanks so much again. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
All right. Well, thank you, Steve. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for the time. And I uh, can't wait to see you at Story Summit in March. Yes. And uh, I, I hope everybody listening, you know, makes makes a point of attending if you can. It's uh, it's really great. So um, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions about accommodations or how you can make it work. Um, you know, even, you know, travel. Maybe we can find people who need to carpool or something like that. Uh, the magic of the podcast. Yeah. It's yeah. really worth. Um, it's worth going to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There, yeah. All right, so we're back into the news you can use, and the news you can use is brought to you by Bleeding Art Industries. Uh, And every week, they provide us with an awesome hot tip of the week, and this week, it is about how social media has changed the game when it comes to audience engagement. Its accessibility has leveled the, the marketing playing field, financing, development, and the actual shoot are a filmmaker's focus, but it's crucial during this process to take your audience inside the project through social media, engaging their interests long before the release date, your filmmaking talent and skills are huge assets for getting attention on the multitude of platforms out there. And when done well, these can result in growing your fan base big time. Just by experimenting with a new platform and posting a few animated GIFs of its characters, Bleeding Art has received close to 200,000 views in a very short order. Holy crap. That's awesome. <laughs> if you don't have integrated social media as part of your filmmaking plan, get on it now. So true. Uh, yeah, I... I... Yeah, I completely agree with all these. Totally, all totally. This, like, and I mean, who's doing GIFs? Who's doing animated GIFs other than them? Maybe some people are, and if they are, let us know, because that's yeah, super cool. Sweet. Yeah. But that's such a great idea, yeah, and absolutely. so, so important. All right, Scott, what's going on? Well, uh, there's some upcoming deadlines. Uh, the Calgary Expo has announced they will be running a screening room all Expo weekend. So if you have a project that is finished, like a short film, feature film, web series, that you think would appeal to their audience, you can fill out the programming submission form at calgaryexpo.com slash programming. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, submissions are open for the Women's Day Expo, the Women in Film and Television Alberta organization, WIFTA. Uh, the members are, uh, is offering members of the organization an opportunity to showcase your short productions under five minutes as part of the second annual WIFTA International Women's Day Expo. So submit uh, via email by February 28th. It's a free event and it's taking place March 9th and 10th at Nate's Shaw Theater in Edmonton. Um, and it's going to include a keynote uh, presentation by NFB producer Bonnie Thompson. So that's cool. Check out the show notes for more info. Big time. Uh, time is running out very quickly to apply for $5,000 uh, in scholarship money from the AFA. Uh, that's the Alberta Foundation for the Arts, uh, which is awarded annually to a young Albertan film and video artist who shows extraordinary talent in a film and video arts form and who demonstrates clear educational or training goals. Uh, again, that's 5000 bucks, and the application deadline is March 1st, so definitely want to make sure that uh, you get that in quickly. You can find out more at uh, affta.ab.ca. So every so often, the CSIF has a, a member screening where they uh, take all, a number of their members' productions and screen them uh, at the amazing Theatre Junction Grand um, venue here in Calgary, and uh, they are looking for films for the next one. Um, it's, uh, it's called on location members screening and directors talk, and it's happening in May. So, uh, you do need to be a current production, uh, or associate member, uh, of the CSIF and, uh, films of any length and genre are accepted. So, uh, submission deadline is Friday, March 23rd by midnight, and you can check out the show notes for more info. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on the break and in the chat with Steven, but uh, we can go a little bit more into detail now, and that is about the Calgary Film Center Project Lab. The Project Lab. Uh, the Project Lab. <laughs> We should say it more times. The <laughs> Project, Project Lab. Lab. Now in its second year, Project Lab supports Alberta's emerging filmmakers by providing them with grants to launch their projects into the global marketplace. Uh, it is supported by the government of Alberta. Project Lab offers support in the areas of finance, venue, mentorship, 
and equipment services along with in-kind resources. Uh, It engages seasoned Alberta producers, storytellers, and others who will use their skills to train and mentor the new generation of talent. So there is a mentorship component uh, involved in this application as well, something to keep in mind. So who is eligible? In 2018, Project Lab will support emerging filmmakers with existing micro-budget feature productions that have either a, a, quote, ready-to-shoot status um, or productions requesting completion funds for post-production work. All submissions must demonstrate clear marketing and distribution strategies in their applications. Project Lab will sponsor and resource two feature film projects in 2018. The deadline for submission is Friday, March 30th at 4 p.m. Alberta time. Submissions must follow the format as detailed in the application guidelines, and they seem to be pretty strict on following that format. So you can find uh, out more in the show notes or calgaryfilmcenter.com slash project dash lab. Can you believe the Oscars are happening this Sunday? Yeah. You can? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I feel, feel like, like it's soon. I, I agree. It feels fast, but but I don't know. Like, I feel like I was aware of a lot of these movies before they were nominated just because of the buzz that it's they were true, all getting. It's true, yeah. But I haven't seen many of them. Mm. I, I'm a little bit embarrassed to yeah, say. Yeah, I'm missing a few. Yeah. Uh, but if you are interested in uh, getting all dressed up and glammed up for the uh, Oscars, then you should definitely attend the Calgary International Film Festival's uh, Red Carpet Affair, celebrating Hollywood's best. Uh, This is an event happening at the Palace Theater on Sunday, March 4th at 6 p.m., where uh, you basically watch the Oscars, but kind of during the breaks and during the commercials, there's uh, hosted hosted events, uh, contests, raffles, door prizes, and so on and so forth. Of course, the Oscar, uh, what do you call that? The ballot where you the pool pick your, yeah, 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 like an Oscar pool, but, uh, and of course, a prize uh, for the for whomever gets the most uh, correct Oscar-winning oh, films. Sweet. Uh, and they're also open to uh, groups of 10 or more right now. So if you have a, a larger group and you'd like to do something special, uh, you can reach out to Ashley at calgaryfilm.com to uh, discuss uh, how they could make that work. But uh, otherwise, tickets are $85 per person uh, for general seating. And uh, that this whole event is in support of the Calgary International Film Festival and uh, uh, helping to fund that uh, every year. So that's great. That is super great. I like that event. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, the, another film festival happening in town um, is the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers, uh, their annual festival, uh, formerly called the $100 Film Festival, now called the Artifact Small Format Film Festival, uh, is happening right away here, March 8th to 10th at Theatre Junction. There will be super, or 30 plus Super 8 and 16 millimeter films uh, being shown. Uh, Artifact is one of the is one of only a handful of festivals in the world that exhibit exclusively on small format celluloid film. Uh, the CSF is proud to be among the select few that continue to keep this unique medium alive and to draw celluloid lovers to Calgary each year. So when they first started, they were um, an exclusively celluloid film festival and they still are but they have expanded to include the popular film music explosion which is a wicked event uh, as well as commission projects and various partnerships Uh, so once again that's happening march 8th to 10th uh, and you can buy tickets at artifactfilmfestival.com we've talked about herland uh, on the show a number of times and we've had sandy summers uh, kind of the driving force behind herland on the show um and coming up very soon on saturday march 10th is a fundraiser for herland it's being put on by the IATSE Two on Two Women's Committee, um, and it's the second time they've done this. Actually, um, it's a celebration on International Women's Day uh, to uh, kind of put the spotlight on trailblazing uh, female creators in the entertainment industry. And headlining Calgarians include Sandy Summers, of course, uh, Denise Clark of One Yellow Rabbit, and Corey Mack, founder of the YYC Comedy Festival, which is very cool. 
That is um, super cool. Yeah, so it's at, the event itself is, is also a screening. So there's going to be film screenings um, uh, beginning at 5.30 um, with the main event uh, beginning at 6.30. Um, and again, it's all in support of the Herland Mentorship Program. So check out uh, herland.ca or iatsi212.com for more information. I have heard uh, varying reviews about the Vancouver Film School, but the one that I trust the most is from the filmmaker Scott Lepp, mm. who uh, who has nothing but great things to say about his time right, there. Right, right, right. Um, and of course, he just produced uh, his first feature called Ice Blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Vancouver Film School uh, is kind of coming to Calgary to uh, or and Edmonton to reach out to filmmakers who are interested in animation and visual effects. So basically what they're doing is um, you can sign up for a free 15-minute creative coaching session to connect one-on-one with uh, the animation school faculty. Um, what you'll do is uh, you'll review any of your creative art samples. They can help you develop a portfolio if you don't have one. And they can discuss your creative career path options. And they can also tell you right then and there if you would be accepted to the VFS School of Animation or sorry, VFS School of Animation and VFX. Uh, again, that is free to register, uh, and they will contact you within two business days to provide you with your exact time and location. But on Calgary, the, those sessions will be happening on March 3rd, and on Edmonton, they'll be happening uh, February 28th. So that's uh, coming right up. So definitely uh, reach out. You can find out more in the show notes um, for more information. That sounds like an awesome uh, thing that they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we've talked about it a number of times, uh, so I'll, I'll be quick, but Fava's Video Kitchen is uh, happening again. This is really a cool opportunity to, to pay only $845 plus GST and over 12 weeks get the instruction, gear, and training you need to create your own short film. So um, it's going to happen on Thursdays in Edmonton at Fava from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And uh, yeah, finish that program with a with a completed film or a nearly completed film that you just need to to edit um so uh, that's awesome that's a really cool opportunity and the cheapest short film i've ever heard of so. certainly <laughs> <laughs> um so if you are going to be uh coming to the artifact small format film festival uh they are having a drop-in workshop uh that's happening for four hours on saturday march 10th uh, but you don't have to be there for all four hours um you can just drop in and see what's going on uh so it's happening from noon to fourth and it is um a small format equipment clinic. So they will be bringing in the king of Super 8, John Porter, uh, who is the visiting artist for this year's festival. And he will assess, demonstrate, and train with any Super 8 and 8mm equipment brought by workshop participants and CSIF. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. I, I, I'm i sitting on, I'm the chair of the programming committee right. at, at the CSIF and I, I'm doing nothing on this right. uh, other than sitting there and Risa's doing it all and I'm, I'm just going, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. That's great. And John Porter is one of those moments where I was like, that's so cool. Yeah. How awesome is that? So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to, to seeing what he can do and, and what he does here in Calgary. For sure. Um, he's going to be, he, you can just bring your stuff in, which is crazy to me. He'll, he, he can work with cameras, projectors, viewers, splicers, screens, reels, films, uh, accessories and tools. Uh, participants may be limited to one piece each, but anyone may attend and come and grow any come and go anytime throughout the four hours. Uh, it's twenty dollars uh, drop in fee, um, and again, that's happening Saturday, March tenth, at the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers. So, speaking of uh, uh, you know the video kitchen, make your own you know short film. Um, New TV and UTV has uh, something called the Summer Film School here in Calgary, uh, where uh, you know for uh, non-new TV members uh, and active new TV members, um, you can sign up and and create a, a, a film through the Summer Film School program, which uh, runs from May through September and will require an availability of two to three days a week. So it's a little more in-depth um, 
and you're you're uh, you're going to be make, you know making your idea come come to life. It's kind of a, a summer camp. It feels like right, a little bit, yeah, yeah, um, which is very cool. So there's there so the group is going to come together and create six short films. So I don't know if that means that you get to make your own or if you kind of just all collaborate on six different short films. Um, but the deadline to apply is coming up. It's March 16th at 4 p.m. Uh, $500 for non-NUTV members, $350 for active NUT members who have logged under 50 hours of volunteer time, I assume. Uh, and only $100 for NUTV members who are active and who have logged over 50 hours. That's pretty cheap. Which is very cool. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Uh, the CSF is hosting a workshop uh, coming up at the end of March. Uh, it's called Blocking for Film. Uh, and it's an informative day on blocking for film production. Oh, I hope someone smart teaches that. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> I need to know all yeah. about blocking. Yeah, are you going to go to this? <laughs> I think I'm going to go. Gonna yeah, go? I'm going to check it out. All right, cool. So uh, beginning with blocking theory and history, participants will be exposed to the work of master directors throughout film history in order to explore and learn from some of the most impactful and fundamental strategies for staging scenes, as well as the impact of the camera in blocking scenarios. Um, wow, I need to know all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. I mean, well, I mean, we've been talking about at the CSF too, but a lot of the courses are kind of one-on-one courses. Right. Right. So this is kind of a way to provide a little bit more of advanced info and not right. just like an introduction to what being a director right, is. Right. So it's kind of a hands-on full day thing. Uh, oh, the instructor, who's this? Oh, the instructor's Matt Waterworth. What? It's me. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about, about it a little bit. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited about it. It's, uh, it's going to be, um, yeah, just, just what it sounds. Um, definitely going to rely on the masters, the people right. who know, you know, really what they're doing, um, really well. But I think uh, for me, I'm a hands-on learner. I gotta, I've got to get totally. up. And so I'm excited to, to kind of guide participants through, you know, let's block a real scene. Let's, right. let's do that. And so and, some of them will be acting as kind of. Actors yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, not to, I don't know if this is for sure or not, but we might have some volunteer actors. Oh, okay. you can, so you, you may not have to oh, that's participate cool. in that part of it. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun, um, and uh, it's not just about uh, actor blocking, but also camera placement right, blocking. Right, of course. So, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, to doing that with CSIF. So you can register for that event uh, via Eventbrite. Um, that'll cost $120 for members or students and $160 for non-members. It is happening all day, Saturday, March 24th, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, the deadline to register, however, is about five days before March 19th uh, on Eventbrite. Uh, you can find out more about this workshop at csaf.org, uh, and you can just kind of navigate through the workshops tab. That sounds awesome. It sounds super great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right now, we've got True Fiction, horror feature film shooting, just wrapping up in the next couple of days. Um, also shooting in Edmonton, Necessary Evil, the 100K Story Hive. If you haven't heard our episode with Randy Brzezowski, just go back a couple episodes and give it a listen because uh, that's a cool project to learn more about. Wynonna Earp and Tin Star are also both in production right now here in Alberta. Busy little province, yeah. but uh, could be busier. It could always be busy. <laughs> but that's, it's nice to see four. It's yeah. not always four. Especially um, in February, but. Um, for sure, for sure. Yeah, get get projects made, people. Yeah. Yeah, let's get some stuff made here. <laughs> uh, job Calls, the Calgary Public Library is looking for a permanent full-time visual content creator. What? That sounds cool. This is awesome. So you'll be reporting to the Director of Communications. Uh, the visual content creator will develop multimedia, which is audiovisual video, content for internal and external purposes that wow. support organizational strategic priorities, which sounds like, uh, you know, a lot of words, which is just, I mean, you'll be the kind of the Calgary Public Library uh, audio video person. Cool. Yeah. So uh, you have to create and develop original multimedia content for the website, for social media. You'll be creating promo and instructional videos, online tutorials for staff and customers. Runs the gamut of all the kind of stuff that uh, you'd be involved in. So mm -hmm. uh, you have to have a bachelor level university degree in marketing, multimedia communications, applied technology, or other related 
field, uh, a deployment in film production or equivalent is considered an asset um, and a minimum of two years experience in radio, television, film, sound, or new media. Um, yeah, so uh, not for brand new beginners, but uh, you know, we recommend that uh, if you're interested in this, that you apply. Lots of benefits too. Health and dental benefits in the film industry. That's what? a killer job. Nice. Life insurance. Uh, anyway, how to apply. If uh, if it sounds like the chapter in your next story, take this opportunity to take to make a real contribution to one of Canada's leading public library systems. Send a cover and letter and resume to work at calgarylibrary.ca. Be sure to quote competition number 85 in the subject line of your email. And the closing date is coming right up March 4th, 2018. Awesome. Uh, back in Edmonton, Scott, where I grew up. Ah, uh, yes. There was a magical movie theater called the Garneau Theater. Garneau? The Garneau, yeah. And it's uh, it's one of these, and you actually still see them in like small towns occasionally. Like one town in every, you know, certain area will have like this beautiful old right. theater that, you know, everyone, everyone, goes, everyone would yeah. come to. Uh, and this is that that style. It, like it feels like an, like it's so gorgeous inside. The neon and the, and the, and the chairs and they've they've kept it up pretty nicely. Um, I don't know what happened, but there was also a, a theater called the Metro Cinema inside the Citadel Theater, which was a big theater. It is a big theater building, um, and that was a that was actually oh, I could digress on on that. But I I started a little film festival in that theater, the Metro Cinema, uh, and so at some point while I was in Calgary, I don't know how or why. Maybe someone can tell me. But uh, the Metro Theater moved into the Garneau Theater, okay. which is weird because one theater. I guess I guess we're talking about the programming and maybe the staff right, moved like, over to a new theater. Right. So it's called the Metro Theater, but it's in the Garneau Theater uh, or the Metro Cinema. Anyway, the Garneau <laughs> Cinema is amazing. It's an it's an incredible place, um, and it's where I you know saw amazing mil- films for the first time and 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 attended festivals and started to get a love for filmmaking. So this is a really cool opportunity uh, for three different summer student jobs. Um, one as a faculty, uh, or sorry, a facility assistant um, who will be uh, involved in things like renovating the lobby, auditorium, uh, backstage areas of the Garneau Theater, uh, among other things, an outreach coordinator who will be involved in hands-on assisting with film screenings and live events, and then a uh, communications intern who will be involved in hands-on assisting with film screening, live events, uh, and you know other communications-related things, obviously. Uh, so check out uh, the Metro Cinema. Uh, it's actually on the Fava website uh, as a job call, so check out fava.ca. Um, but yeah, do some Googling around there. Uh, that would be a really cool gig for someone uh, up and coming to get. For sure. Uh, there's another job posting. Wow, there's a lot that's that's out right now. This is great. Um, so Luma Quarterly, we talk about it uh, when the issues come out. Uh, it's a quarterly publication um, that is designed to uh, encourage and kind of further uh, critical discourse about film and video production, not only here, but in all of Western Canada. Um, and it's published by the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers and M Media Gallery Production Society. So it includes... Uh, critical essays, news, reviews, event previews, interviews, reflections, and photo video essays um, about culturally relevant productions, events, and ideas. Um, and for the next two issues, they are looking for an editorial assistant. Uh, so Lindsay, who's the editor uh, at Luma, I know is just insanely busy, um, and she needs some help. So the editorial assistant will work on uh, two of the upcoming issues, one that will be released in May 2018 and one in August 2018. Uh, you'll be assisting the editor-in-chief and publishers with editing duties, including copy editing, fact-checking, and writing teasers for articles. Uh, the position can start basically right away uh, and will end in August 2018. Um, you should have the flexibility to work at media or CSAF office spaces as well as virtually from home, depending on the task. Um, so it is an internship. 
Uh, and you can find out more and apply for that uh, at uh, joinscip.ca. Uh, you probably want to just go to the show notes for this one because it's a bit of a long uh, URL to get to it. Alrighty, Scott. Well, uh, that was a, a great episode. I mean, what an amazing guest to have on the show. Uh, thanks again to Story Summit and to Stephen Campanelli for making that possible. Uh, and I'm going to use my recommendation section very briefly here to uh, to talk about APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. We were just at a wonderful workshop that they put on with Deb Osborne on Saturday. And uh, it was great. And um, it was actually decently well attended. There's always room for more people, though. I think you should check out what APA is up to, especially if you're interested in post-production. Um, they are growing and they're certainly, um, uh, yeah, look, having an impact. Uh, yeah, I, I completely on, agree. On, they're on kind of the one of the driving forces yeah. in, you know, bringing more uh, work to Alberta. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they're all about representing and, and providing a voice uh, to post-production professionals in Alberta. So um, among many other things. So check out albertapost.org for more information on that. Yeah, and if you're an editor or you do visual effects or you're a composer or um, you do you know sound editing or you know any of this kind of stuff, you know um, even exporting DCPs um, and all this, you can uh, become a member of APA and you should. And the mm-hmm. reason I say that is that they use their membership numbers to um, continue getting you know funding from the government and and you know kind of justifying their existence. That they say yeah. yes, there is an appetite for this organization. Um, so even just by becoming a member, you're helping uh, the post-production community in Alberta. Totally. That's yeah. true. That's good a point. Great. That's a good recommendation. Uh, I'm going to recommend if you um, are not a brand new filmmaker that you uh, consider bringing on a practicum student. Mm, yes. So every year, um, Full Swing hears from probably 15 students you know, from SAIT or uh, Mount Royal University or... ACAD, ACAD, yeah, um, who are, who, you know, they need to get some, some real life experience uh, as part of their curriculum uh, to graduate. And, you know, we have a rule that we can only kind of have one at a time mm-hmm. um, or else, you know, it, it kind of really reduces the, you know, the quality of the experience that the students have. Yeah. Us. Bigger companies can do. Sure. Multiple, yeah. But... Yeah. And I mean, when we did Plainview, we had, I think like eight practicum students or 10. <laughs> right. Yeah. On it, right. Like, like <laughs> that's, that's a different, that's yeah. a different beast uh, in and of itself. But, um, it's great having we 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 stack our entire you know first quarter of the year with, because it's the last semester for most uh, most of these programs uh, we just fill our calendars up with practicum students mm-hmm. um, and you know the, the experience varies of course because people are, are different but um, for the most part we're out, we're always just so pleased with uh, the students that we get and it takes a little bit of our time to you know kind of help you know sit down with them and, and and kind of let them know what what we're doing and and sort of introduce them you know show them the ropes but. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just a free labor thing, but it's it's a very rewarding experience for us. And we know that there is a shortage of practical opportunities. Yes. This year, especially, we got so many more so requests many. Yeah. than usual. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and now we're having to kind of put them on to other people mm-hmm. to say, hey, mm-hmm. like, sorry, we, we, you know, we're full, but maybe go talk to this person. So um, if you're interested in getting some help, uh, but also giving back to your community uh, and, you know, it's a talent industry. Totally, and yeah. Practicums are the way to kind of meet the up and coming talent for sure. Uh, and, and you know that's how that's why we hired Seth. You know, it's because yeah. of his practice. This is true. This is true. So. And it's not just we're talking about safe for sure, but we're not just talking about safe. No, there, are, there are plenty of different uh, schools that you can reach out to and say, hey, I'm I'm available if you're looking for students. If your students are looking for practicums, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, they vary from how many hours uh, the students have to commit, uh, but uh, yeah, it's really not that difficult to do. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't take a lot. So, uh, yeah, I recommend you reach out to that and get yourself some practicum students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, big thanks to Briar, Chad, Britt, and now Seth Williams, who's, who started editing the podcast, which is very cool. Um, those people are very integral to the show. Thank you so much for the work that you do for us. Uh, if, if you're an Alberta filmmaker, this podcast is for you and it's about you. So please do share uh, whatever's going on in your world with yep. us. You know, uh, I know there are you know productions happening. We had that one crew call thing. Let's do more. We'd love to hear more uh, about what you're shooting and, and if we can help there. Uh, let us know if we got anything wrong or... or Which undoubtedly happens. Sure. <laughs> yeah. We mispronounce every name. Yeah. So. And uh, and please, uh, you know, just uh, say hello in the comments too. We, you know, we share and put this out there and, and people do seem to listen, but we don't see a lot of activity. So just, uh, just say hi in the comments. Yay. That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, anyway, how can they reach out to us, Scott? Uh, you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and SoundCloud. Uh, it's all AB Filmcast. Uh, or if you want to reach out to us directly, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at hello at abfilmcast.ca. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, a final thanks from APA, our, our sponsor. Uh, and then once you're finished listening to that, go make something. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.